Good to see all of you, some of you again, some of you for the first time, and for those of you online, we're glad that you're here. Just over a month ago, we were celebrating Christmas and Advent. I never get tired of hearing about an angel appearing and startling, scaring the bejeebers out of some humble shepherds in a dark pasture near Bethlehem to tell them something that many had been longing to hear for ages. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Good news. We love it when we hear it, don't we? Especially when it brings joy. Is that what we hear on a consistent basis on the evening news and, and all around us? Not at all, is it? Last month, the, the country was fixated on the tragic story of four young college students being savagely killed in Idaho. And then images of cyclones and, and snow hitting California. Somehow I don't feel bad for the Californians. How about you? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Erie. Okay. Tornadoes, devastating communities in the south, snowstorms, the the ongoing destruction of Ukraine. We're just a month into 2023 and there have been 40 plus mass shootings. So there, there are many examples of bad news all around us every week, if not every day. I'm pretty sure you came to church to hear more bad news today, right? (laughs) Okay? (laughs) There's one honest person over there. Okay. Thankfully, there is occasional good news, but it usually only affects a few people. Several weeks ago, some were hopeful that the Buffalo Bills would win their division and go to the Super Bowl. And that would have been bad news for the Browns and Steelers fans though I believe everyone wanted DeMar Hamlin of the Bills to recover from that cardiac arrest that he had on January 2nd. Wasn't it neat to see all the players kneeling on the field with each other and praying for his recovery? That was neat to see. Okay, back to what we celebrated at Christmas. A bright messenger angel sent by God tells them the good news of great joy is for all the people. That's because of the worst possible bad news, which is also for all the people. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul adds these words, having no hope and without God in the world. Sadly, that's how many people are living all around us. No hope about their future. Joyless joyless because they haven't heard or responded to the good news of great joy that a Savior was born, died on the cross for for the forgiveness of their sins so that they can enjoy the presence and power of God to go with them throughout life and then to have him gladly, joyfully welcome them to heaven when this life is over. All of that and more is the gift of God waiting to be received by trust and faith in Jesus as Savior. So there, there is joy when we are saved, isn't there? But there is more 
than the joy of knowing a savior or rescuer was born. More than the joy you had once you realized that your sin was forgiven when you trusted in Jesus as Savior. Now, that's, that's an amazing, joy-inspiring experience. But I have a question for you. Is the joy of that experience supposed to carry you throughout life? In Nehemiah 8.10, we read that the joy of the Lord is what? It's my strength and it's yours, okay? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Somehow joy brings strength to the journey of life, especially when we face trials and suffering. And so the word of God teaches that there will be more than just a few experiences of joy in life, that God has something much more in mind for you and me. King David lost that joy. And he prayed that the Lord would restore that joy to his life. Back when we were in uh, Little and we're in Sunday school, we learned some uh, songs, okay? One of them was, I'm in right, out right, upright, downright, happy all the time. I'm in right, upright, downright, uh, downright, happy all the time. Since Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my heart from sin, I'm in right, out right, upright, downright, happy all the time. That's a cute children's song. But are we happy all the time? I'm not. (laughs) And we're not trying to deceive kids when we teach them that song, right? There is a huge uptick or increase in the happiness we experience when we come to Christ. But boy, I mean, there are still some very sad and challenging times in life. People lose loved ones and jobs and homes. We experience hardship and pain and suffering. Sometimes not enough money to pay the bills. Yeah, I mean, the list is practically endless, really. So, does God expect us to wear a smile and act happy continuously? I remember one... Grumpy brother said, I'm not going to walk around with a stupid grin on my face just because I'm a Christian. It's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) You may have heard the somewhat snide remark from those who do want us to smile more. If you're happy, notify your face, you know, trying to get us to smile a little more. So another children's song is similar, but it uses a different word. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And everybody shouts, where? Okay. Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Now, that seems a little closer, maybe, to the joy of the Lord the Bible speaks of. Let me make a distinction. Joy and happiness, while related, aren't exactly the same. Happiness can flow from or be the result of having the joy of the Lord. But many times being happy is related more to our circumstances or what's happening in our lives at any particular moment. So hear me now. Most anyone, saved or unsaved, can be happy when things are good. That doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out, right? Okay. Joy, on the other hand, 
is, is more a state of being and perspective. And as we'll see in just a little bit, related to the place that God has in your life and whether or not you're filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you the number of times in, uh, that I have heard someone say, well, I just want to be happy. You've heard that too, haven't you? Maybe you said it. Now here's the question. Is that an ungodly desire? Not necessarily. Now as soon as I say not necessarily, you know, okay, he's going to qualify it somehow. <laughs> there are conditions that will affect how happy you'll be. For example, it's not ungodly to want to be happy if your main objective is to live for and glorify God and help others to glorify him for the blessings and benefits they have. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 gives you this all-inclusive goal for your life as a believer. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that's kind of inclusive, isn't it? Whatever you do, do all to what, folks? The glory of God. We live for him. We live for his glory. What does that mean? That people will think great things about God. That we and they will give him credit for the many blessings that we enjoy. On the other hand, I just want to be happy is ungodly if my main purpose is my feelings. That is, ready and willing to do whatever it takes to make me happy. For example, a person may take drugs or drink alcohol excessively so that they feel happy or pursue something else that goes against God's design for happiness. Right now, a big issue in our society is gender confusion or change. Folks, God designed us to be male or female. But some in our society are telling young people, if the gender you were born with doesn't make you happy, go ahead and violate God's design and word and become the opposite gender. The Apostle Paul wrote about that in Romans chapter 9, verse 20, speaking of God as the potter and us as the clay being formed into a shape by God. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? That's pursuing happiness at any cost without considering how God created you and will bless you if you live according to his design. Happiness, if pursued within God's design and purpose, doesn't have to be wrong. It doesn't have to be a sin. Now, I think you know that we don't have an actual picture of Jesus. But I wonder if certain images might reflect how we see him. How about this one? Kind of stern looking. Not happy with me. Maybe even kind of hard to please. What do you think? Now this one is one that many of us grew up with. You know, kind of somber, purposeful, almost out of reach. Let me show you another one. We don't often think of Jesus as a really joyful person. 
But we should. Now, you know, the picture isn't the point. But our perception of Jesus. The the Bible doesn't tell us about the disciples sitting around laughing themselves silly, okay? Uh, But Luke 10, 21 does tell us, in that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. I like how the translators of the New International Version put that verse. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Full of joy. My friend, if you think of, uh, of a disapproving, stern, unhappy with me, picture of Jesus, image in your mind of Jesus, you need to change that image. It's just not accurate. Think of him with a truly joyful look on his face and a smile of love in his eyes for you. That would be more accurate. By the way, you know that he created joy and happiness, don't you? You look like you're uncertain or you say, I'm not, he may be setting me up. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Did God create joy and happiness? Yes. Listen to what he says about you and me and joy in John chapter 15. I'm going to start with verse 7 to give a little context for what Jesus will say about joy. We read this earlier. We're going to read it again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Okay, note verse 11 very carefully. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Whose joy will be in us as believers, folks? Jesus' joy. Just a small dose of it? No. That your joy may be what? Full. It's related to living out our faith and showing the reality of that faith by obeying Jesus' commandments. Just as I obeyed my Father's commandments, he said. And the result of that is abiding in or experiencing the love of God, which includes joy. Jesus repeats that in John 16, 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I want you to notice there that the joy is related to prayer. Ask me, he invites us. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, okay? A few moments ago, we read about the angel's announcement that Jesus' birth was news of great joy to all people because the Savior of the world had been born. But as we've just seen, one of the outcomes or results of the joy of salvation is fullness of joy in our experience with the life of Jesus. Now, I'm sure that you've had many moments of joy or happiness as a believer. 
But did you realize that Jesus wants you to experience fullness of joy in your life? How? Okay. There are some pathways here. In Ephesians 5.18, Jesus commanded us through Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit. First part of that verse tells us that we shouldn't be drunk with or controlled by wine because that will lead us in the opposite direction of being filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit. So the question is then if that happens or if we're, if we're being filled with the Holy Spirit, how will you and I act? What will we look like if we are spirit-filled? Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 23. I mean, you're familiar with this passage, okay? He says the fruit, the result, the outcome of being filled with, controlled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what happens... If you are not filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit, but instead are motivated or controlled by the flesh. The flesh in the New Testament is a term that describes our old nature before Jesus began transforming us uh, after we were saved. Selfish desires would be another way of describing it. It also uses the term old old man, which I'm getting more and more familiar with. Okay, anyway. What's best for me, regardless of how it affects others? So if we aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, the opposite, hear me now, the opposite of each of these fruits on this list would be true, wouldn't they? You would be more likely to be unloving, grumpy, or continuously down, anxious, or agitated, You'll be impatient, unkind, or even mean, and definitely not good. You'd be unfaithful, dominant, or wanting your own way, and you'd be out of control. Have you met any Christians like that? Don't look around right now. Yeah, he's sitting over on the other side. (laughs) Don't do that, okay? Have you been like that? I have. Let me just say that there are times when a person may have some of these negative qualities because of health issues or chemical imbalances that require medical intervention. So when I mention negative reactions or personality characteristics because you aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about clinical depression or anxiety. Living, however, living without the Spirit of God over time can lead to these. But uh, some people have a definite chemical imbalance, and uh, we, we need to be understanding of that, and they need to get medical help. But for today, our focus is on the Holy Spirit fruit of joy or the lack of that joy. Your Savior, Jesus, who came to earth, was announced as the Savior who had come, and then the angel added that this was good news of great joy. For all people. Your Savior Jesus tells you that he wants you to have his joy in your life. And he wants it to be full. Now I want you to hold that thought. 
During his ministry, Jesus told his disciples and us, without me, you can do what, folks? Is it on the screen? <laughs> I'm not setting you up, okay? Without Jesus, you can do what? Nothing. Okay, there are more of them with me. Good, okay? Let's back up to ask a related question. Can you save yourself? Okay, good. Not according to Jesus, you can't. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Many in our country have drifted toward the idea that there are many ways to God. Try any of them, they say. According to our creator, Jesus, who is truth and life, he is the only way. Every writer of the New Testament affirms that. In preparing to speak on joy, I read a book called Laugh Again with the subtitle, Experience Outrageous Joy. I thought, well, that's on topic. And there are good suggestions in the book about practical steps we can take to have a happier life, like hanging around with happy people. That's fun, isn't it? You know, I have, I have one Christian friend who every time he sees me in church, he wants to come up and tell me a new joke. Clean joke, okay? And, and I've had many of a good laugh with those jokes. He has a perpetual twinkle in his eye. He's just a fun guy to be around. And there are others that make me happy and smile, okay? But here's the question. Can you or I produce lasting joy in our own lives? We can be around happy people occasionally, or even in a situation that we like and be happy for a time, but we can't produce lasting joy, can we? So I didn't feel I got very much from this book about seeking joy. Remember the words of Jesus we read just a few moments ago? Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus' brother James reinforced that when he wrote, you don't have because you don't ask. So let me ask you this. Have you ever asked Jesus for the fullness of joy that he tells you that he wants you to experience in this life? Ask and you will receive, he says. It's interesting to me that, that Paul seems to connect prayer and joy in his first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. In verse 16, he says, Rejoice always. Well, that's, that's back to sounding like he wants you to run around with a smile on your face all the time or something, you know? You know, that, that probably seems impossible to you when you think about your circumstances. And... Actually, without him, it is impossible, okay? But the very next verse uh, has a command that seems just as impossible and impractical in a way. Pray without ceasing. Really? When I think about going to work and my boss and me just sitting at my, you know, in the break room and praying all day, I don't think that would go over very well, Okay? He couldn't have meant that literally. 
Well, think about it this way. How much do you think you'd need to pray in, in order to have everything you do be controlled by the Spirit of God? Earlier we quoted Jesus as saying, without me you can do nothing. I believe that. I believe it. Okay. First of all, because he said it, but also because I have tried to do certain things without him and failed. And so I, I have to seek him continuously like he commands. The question for today then would be, how much do you need to pray so that you are filled with the fullness of joy that Jesus wants, even longs for you to experience in this life? I believe he's telling us to be in an attitude, an attitude, a posture of prayer continuously. That is, ready to call out to him as you are confronted with the daily, even minute-to-minute challenges of life and, well, getting along with other people. Does anyone find that challenging? I have to confess to you this morning, there are times when my wife Jenny and I irritate each other. Are you surprised? Not if you're married. <laughs> but you know what? The, the Lord has helped me to understand that when I'm irritated with her, that's not her problem. That's mine. Goes back to that fruit of patience, <laughs> fruit of the spirit, patience, you know? Most, most of us want everyone, our friends, our spouses, our fellow workers, fellow Christians, to act the way I want you to act. You know, think and, and react exactly like I do. <laughs> Talk about funny. How's that working for you? So I, I decided to pray about the irritated reactions I had to my wife. I said, Lord, change me so that I delight in in those very things that are irritating me. Now, I believe that God answers prayer. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, okay? But I have to say, I was shocked, shocked to find myself chuckling about the same things that I'd been irritated about earlier. God answers prayer. (laughs) So I still get irritated. And then I remembered (laughs) I didn't pray for... Patience and joy. Now, here's a spiritual principle related to how you pray about it. Jesus wants you to pray for the fullness of his joy from a place of obedience and submission. David wrote this about prayer being answered. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would what? Would not have listened. A moment ago, we read Jesus' command through Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that there is nothing in my life or yours that isn't controlled, empowered, or managed by the Holy Spirit in my life. There isn't a sin that would hinder my prayer life or keep God from granting my prayer to be filled with joy, the fullness of his joy. We went through a list of fruit from Galatians 5 a few moments ago. What are they the fruit of? You or me trying harder to be happy or or just hanging around happy people? Of course not. Is it you arranging your life so that you get what you want all the time and as, as a result are happy? No, you get joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy that he produces in you and gifts you with in fulfillment of Jesus' promise. 
Have you surrendered the control of every part of your life to the Holy Spirit? Your thought life, your entertainment, your home, your possessions, your friendships, your time. My friend, if you hold back in any area of your life, that will hinder him from filling you with his presence, power for living, and the fruit of the Spirit, namely joy. And then assuming you have given him control of your life, have you prayed? Again, have you prayed? Asking him to fill you with the fullness of joy, Jesus, that you prayed for me to experience in this life. David wrote about that hope in, in Psalm 1611. You, have made, you make known to me the path of life. You're in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy, the same thing Jesus wants for you, being with him in heaven will include fullness of joy that never stops. Won't that be a great time? But hopefully you were convinced from the verses that we looked at today that Jesus also wants you to experience the fullness of joy in him in this life while you're on your way to that place where there's fullness of joy continuously. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? But are you able to agree with me that fullness of joy is part of Jesus' will and desire for your life from what we read today? He prayed it, didn't he? So it is definitely his will, but stay with me. Let's read what John wrote about this. 1 John 5, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, his will that I be filled with the fullness of his joy, And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. Believer friend, will you ask Jesus for the gift of the fullness of his joy? It's his will for you. He's promised to answer a prayer that that you pray according to his will. If you follow the Lord for any length of time, you know that there are many things to make you doubt. Yes, doubt that God will give you what you ask of him. You may remember that James tells us what to do if we lack wisdom in chapter 1, verse 5. Ask God who gives generously. One translation says without reproach. In other words, he's not grudging about giving you wisdom if you ask for it. Okay, And he he immediately follows that up uh, with teaching about doubting that God will answer your prayer. James 1, 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I want the fullness of his joy in my life in 2023 and beyond. How about you? Apparently not. I shan't say anything, okay? It will take the surrender of your life to his control. It will take you praying for joy and and believing that since it's already his desire for you, by praying for it, you are praying according to his will. So you will have joy. No doubt about it. Will you trust him? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, I thank you for these dear ones in front of me. Every one of us, no matter our age, has experienced some 
moments of intense sadness. And we realize, Lord, that those times will come in life. But we talked about joy as a, a sense of your presence in our lives, of something that you do supernaturally. We think of the great people of God questioning something and being told by an angel or a, a saint of God, yeah, without God, it's not possible. With him, everything is possible. And so, Lord, we come to you and we ask, Lord Jesus. There, there doubtly, undoubtedly are many here today who have never really asked for that fullness of joy that you desire to give us, have never surrendered to your control of their lives, Lord, your will in their lives. Lord, Lord, help them in this moment to understand what that would mean, the kind of changes they might have to make in their lifestyle, Lord, to follow hard after you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this tremendous promise, for the fact that, that you are a person of joy. Lord, for... For those here who may have grown up with a perfectionist parent or a parent who never seems satisfied with them and, a, and are struggling with this idea of, of a Savior, a God who looks on them delight with delight, who, as the Scripture says, rejoices over them with singing, I pray, Lord, that they would see your smile of joy in just who they are and all that you desire to give them and be in them. We trust you, Lord, for these blessings in the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.